top geezer. Um, so we've, we've, been, uh, we've been studying Ephesians these last few weeks, and Paul's going to take us through um, Ephesians chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. I am on point. Um, let's just pray for this man. Father God, we want to thank you for Paul. Our Lord, I, I, he's been a good friend to us, and he's such a... Uh, he's just such a rock of, of just solid teaching and just great um, inspirational conversation. And Lord, we want to pray for Paul now and ask, Lord, that his word, the, the word that you've given him, Lord, just would be so sharp, so effective. Um, Lord, bless him now. And just help us to, to, to receive this. Lord, may your words go deep. Bless him, we pray. Amen. Morning, folks. Okay. Um, So I've titled this particular session Ephesians um, 6, Honor and Protection. And um, looking at Ephesians 6, there are two distinct sections. There's the first section which deals with, um, which we'll go into the first 10 verses or so, dealing with um, slaves, fathers, sons, obeying and all that sort of stuff. And the second part deals with the whole thing of the armor of God, which I suppose pretty much everyone would have been taught at some stage in their Christian walk or at Sunday school. And they do seem quite different, but going through this, I felt actually there's a link, and I will link the two of them together. So it's important that we realize about that whole thing about there's going to be a link. So I'm going to start off with the first couple of things, if we have the next slide. So first thing I want to do is talk about honor between parents and children. Now, I looked up the Greek word. The Greek word for honor is tiamo. Now, tiamo means to prize, fix a value upon by implication to revere and value. I'll say that again. To prize, fix a valuation upon by implication to revere or value. Now, as we go through this section about honoring, I want you to think about that particular definition. That's what the word honor meant in the times of when Paul was writing this. To value, to prize, to fix a sense of implication on. So when we look at the start of Ephesians, we see that there are a couple of things that are mentioned. There's the whole thing of, which many people would have heard, children, obey your parents. And then later on, it deals with slaves, obey your masters. And if we tag on with what Jean shared last week about Ephesians 5, the last couple of verses are about the relationships between husband and wife. And I find it quite intriguing that over the years I've been Christian now, about 25 years, you always seem to hear the emphasis on one of those two things. The emphasis being, wives, submit to your husbands, but not the latter. 
Children, obey your parents, but not the next verse. Slaves, obey your master, but not the next verse. And it's interesting when it comes to this, that Paul's saying actually there's two things going on here. It's not just one. Two things are going on here, and it's important that we understand those. Children, obey your parents. But how can a child obey their parents if a parent doesn't teach them how to obey? You can't tell a child, because I'm a school teacher, you can't tell a child if you make a mistake, you're going to get a detention without teaching them the ground rules. One of the first things we're told at my school is the first lesson that you do for the whole year is you set your expectations. So you go in there right from the word go and you say to the class, and this is what I'll be doing on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. This is what I expect. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. If you do that, everything's fine. But if you don't do that, these are the consequences. And it's important we understand that actually it's the parent's role to establish with their children what those consequences are, how to be able to help them develop the skills to be able to follow it. Now, one of the things that I certainly, I got saved when I was about 18. And one of the things that I really had to dilemma with was, what does it mean about the relationship between an adult child and their parents? And I'm sure many of you here have had that dilemma. Well, how do I relate and honor my parents as an adult? Well, it doesn't mean that basically a parent and an adult, so an adult parent and an adult child is different to, if it's a adult to a young child. There's a different relationship. But what Paul's saying here is honor is the crucial thing. As it says up there, to prize, fix a value upon, to be able to revere and value. And that's what our goal is. My goal for my parents is to have that. Now, I don't agree with everything they say. And Paul's not saying agree to everything they're saying. We would find here in this room that there would be lots of disagreements. But in that midst of family, we're able to still have that connection of love. And so Paul's saying here is actually, honor your parents. But the next part of that is that parents have a role to play as well. Don't provoke your children. Really important that there's two-way relationship that's going on here. Now, I'm going to give you ten questions. And I want you to go away and think, pray, ask God the answers to those ten questions. I'm going to give you a little leaflet so you don't need to write down those. But here are the first two questions. Do you honor value, revere, prize those in your family life? Some of you might say, yeah, no problems. Some of you might say, actually, there's this one person in the family, often known as the black sheep, 
the person, ooh, really grinds me. Well, how do you allow God to be able to help you in that situation in your family life? What does honoring look like in your family life? Now, honoring is going to be vastly different for lots of different people. But the thing that you need to realize is that you can honor in the best possible way with allowing God to show you how to do it. Holy Spirit is our teacher. So he's going to teach us in the best possible way to be able to honor one another in our family life. Okay. Now, the next one. Honor at work. Now, you might think, hang on a minute, this doesn't apply because the verse says, slaves, obey your masters. Well, thankfully, we don't have uh, slaves legally in this world. They are illegal, yet they are going and carrying on. But for the majority of people, we don't have a situation where we own slaves. So I was thinking about how can we apply this particular verse to our current situation. And the thing that came to me by reading a couple of different um, things was the idea of actually, instead of taking it as a thing of slaves versus slave owners, how about applying it into our work situation where we are employees to an employer? Or if you're a boss, an employee to your employee. That makes it much more relevant. Now, when you read that thing, it talks, Paul talks about the whole idea of eye service and man pleasers. What that means is, is that Paul doesn't want you, when the person's in front of you, let's say Graham's my boss, you would sort of start saying, oh yes, Graham, I'm doing everything here, yep, everything there, I'm doing everything, and then he walks away and he goes, oh, that little, blah, 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 and you stop doing it. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying is that your conduct as an employee, whether the boss is around or not, should be the same, and he goes one step further, as if you're working for the Lord. So we're not actually necessarily, it's not a sense of, well, I've got to do it because that's what the Bible says. It's actually that connection that we have with God. We're working for God. Now, I want to make it clear that when it says doing service unto the Lord, it's not out of trying to gain favor with God. And in some ways, it's not trying to gain favor with our employer. It's not like, well, if I do work really, really hard, maybe I'll get some really good bonuses at the end of the year and I'll be really... Well, that's not what Paul's saying at all. Paul's saying is that we work as hard as we can for our employer in the best possible way. Now, if you're someone who's in a position of authority at work, then it goes the next part. There's a relationship that, or part you have to play in that relationship, that professional relationship. How do you treat your employees? How do you deal with those people under your position of uh, authority? It's a two-way thing going on here. There's the employee, how to respond to the employer with honor, value, but then there's the other way. So I've got two questions. Do we honor, value, revere, prize those in our work life? 
I have had myself challenged many times over the last academic year when the leadership team have said, we want to do this, and I know that's not going to be good at all. But I have a choice. I mean, leadership of the school, not the church, just to clarify this. <laughs> leadership of the school, that is. I'm talking about the school. So the thing is, is that when they say, oh, we're going to do this at our school, I know that's not going to work. But I have a choice to make. I can either stand in a place of resisting and meddling and telling other staff members, oh, that's rubbish and all that stuff, oh, yeah, yeah. Or I can stand in a place of being a peacemaker. I must admit, it boggles my mind how much negativity you can find in a science school staff room. So much negativity, especially after some major political thing happens. It's like, oh, wow. You step into the staff room and you go, okay, I'm back out again. So much negativity. But we're called to be a place, as, as a number of people have mentioned in Ephesians, a source of light. So we go in there and we're a source of light. We change the atmosphere when we go into it. When we go into our workplace, we're a source of light and we affect the atmosphere. And I'm believing that when I go into that classroom on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, the atmosphere of that classroom changes because the Holy Spirit is with me. And those children will be affected. So what does honoring those above and below you look like in the workplace? Something for you to take away and be challenged about. Next slide. Now we come to the next bit from verse 11 onwards, which deals with the protection in God. So in the last section, Ephesians deals with how we can protect ourselves in Christ and deal with the difficult aspects of life. Now, uh, when I was thinking about doing this last section... I was thinking, I'm sure everyone has heard so many times, whether in Sunday school, about the full armor of God. And I didn't want to really come up with something new just to say, oh, look, I've got some new revelation that no one's ever heard of before. But I did want to see what God wanted to speak about. And it was interesting, at that moment, about five weeks ago, um, I get a mail of DVDs all the time, and one of the DVDs came in was a movie called Paul, Apostle of Christ, and I thoroughly recommend you go and see that film. It can get on Amazon. It's a film that's set in the last six months of Paul's life. It's a film um, done with Hollywood standards, but done and produced by spirit-filled Christians who center on the Word of God. It's got two amazing actors, one with Paul and one Luke. And Luke basically spends time with Paul. And it was absolutely amazing to see the whole thing of what this area is like in Paul's life. Ephesians was written in... uh, It's around about 60, 62 A.D., when Paul was in prison. So this film is set in the time. And it shows you not only the fact that Paul's in prison, but at that time, Nero, 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 the emperor of Rome, is persecuting the Christians. 
it reveals in, in detail the, robe, uh, the, the Christians were thrown to the lights. It reveals the intense pressure that Christians were under. They were burnt. Shows put on a stake, put all on, burnt, set on fire for God. And so in the midst of this, the Christian community are saying, what should we do? What should we do? We're getting persecuted here. What should we do? And there's people in the community saying, we need to leave. We need to get out of here. There's people in the community saying, we need to be a source of light. There's so much darkness. Amazing moment. And so one of the things that um, it's in the midst of that that film that shows the, the thing about what Paul's going through, that one thing that happens really interesting is that one of the um, people in the community gets killed. And so there's this sense that some of the young, they show as young men, I suppose it's just a stereotype, but they rise up and say, actually, we've had enough. We need to take control and we need to issue out revenge. And Paul's in prison. They get, Luke goes to prison and says, what should we do? And Paul says, actually, no, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against this person. We're not fighting against this person in authority. And it's such a powerful thing because the whole thing of what Paul's talking about here is that we're not fighting against a person. We're fighting against spiritual powers, principalities, and so forth. And it's important to realize that in the process of honoring, we honor those people in authority even though we might disagree with them. You could probably imagine the debate that goes on around the world when you have a leader who does things that you disagree on. But Paul's challenge here is actually, can you live as a place of honoring? One of the things I remember, and it was quite strange actually, growing up, it seemed like every president of the United States was the Antichrist. So there was W. Bush, he was the Antichrist, and we had to fight him. And then Barack Obama, he was double the Antichrist, and we had to fight him even more. That's not what Paul's saying here. Paul's not saying, we're not fighting against a person. It's a power and a principality. So how do we do that? Well, it's all based on the whole idea of that you make a stand, Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord. Next one. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. If Paul is saying you need to stand, then that means that Paul is saying there's an element of spiritual warfare that we live in. 
And it's important that we know that there's that element of spiritual warfare. Paul talks about a number of times about the elements of spiritual warfare. So how do we stand? If we have the next slide. I'm not worried about the the, the writing as such. Um, One of the things you see in the film, Paul the Apostle of Christ, is actually you see Roman soldiers. Now, a Roman soldier was given a number of different things. He was given a helmet, metal breastplate, belt, tunic, shield made out of wood covered in leather. He was given a sword and a spear. Now, it's interesting to note that Paul doesn't talk anything about the spear, but he talks about everything else. But that's what a Roman was like. Now, if you go on to Google or anything like that, you'll see that when a Roman occupied a defensive stance, they were unbeatable. Unbeatable. Because they would come together, they would lock shields, and they would stand against any enemy whatsoever. In some ways, what's it saying for us is we too can come together, lock shields and stand. Later on, Paul talks about praying for every person with all types of prayers. That's one way we can make a stand together in the spiritual realm. Stand against the plans of the enemy. So we come down to now the whole idea of how do we apply what Paul saw Nearly every day, this sort of guy, how do we apply this to our current circumstance? Well, what he talks about is he talks about six different things, if we have the thing. So, what we've got is we've got the belt of truth. We've got the breastplate of righteousness, feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, Now, I don't have time to go through and talk about each individual thing. What I'm going to do is give you six questions that I feel from God are questions for you to think about in terms of all of those six different things. The key thing here is that we make a stand. Not against a person. What Paul talked about is... At the start of that, we have a life of honouring. We honour our parents, we honour our children, we honour those above us in the workplace, we honour those below us in the workplace. We can even take that into the church. We honour those in the position of leadership, we honour those around. Even in the this, this society out there, love is the key. In the film, there's a, a classic scene there, where Luke is racked with, um, he's, he's racked with puzzlement, I suppose the best way to describe it, because for him, all he sees is darkness. And the actor playing Paul says, actually, love is the way. Whether we die or whether we live, love is the way. And it's important that we understand that there's two things. In relating to those people around us, love and honor is the key thing. When it turns to the enemy, spiritual forces, principalities, and powers, we need to make a stand and put on the full armor of God. 
So there's going to be a couple of questions. Um, can I get you to start hand, hand out one to every family? Can you hand out one to every family? Can you hand out to people in the back row? So coming round now is a series of questions, and I want you to go away and think about these questions. Great. Um, just, just put them all up. Yeah, just put them all up. Now, on this sheet of paper, you will have the first two questions about honouring and your parents. Next two questions about honouring at your workplace. And then there's six questions. These are six questions that I want you, in your quiet time, you don't have to do it this week, but sometime over the next month, for you to pray with God and get a sense about what God's saying for you. If we're going to make a stand against the plans of the enemy, how can we do that with the help of the Holy Spirit? So here are the questions. How often do you stand on the true nature of who God is in your circumstances? We've had countless sermons over the years about who God is. How can we make sure that we stand in that place? How does the fact of your right standing in God protect your heart who you are? Now, each of these questions relates to those things. So the first question, the belt of truth. Second question, the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate covers your heart. How does your right standing in God cover your heart of who you are? Feet with the readiness with gospel of peace. How quick are you to stand in a place of peace in the midst of difficult circumstances? We are faced with difficult circumstances all the time. How quick are we are to be those peacemakers? Number four, shield of faith. You might not know this, but the enemy will sow arrows, flaming arrows that sow negativity. We can either get hit with them or we can use our shield of faith and say, no, I'm not going to accept that. So how can you use your belief in God to help you stand firm in the midst of doubt and negativity? Number five, question relates to the helmet of salvation. How can the reality of what Jesus did on the cross help you to stand on difficult times? When you're going through something difficult... How can the fact that what Jesus did on the cross, not just the fact of forgiveness of sins, but what he did, the motivation, the love, the desire to reunite reunite us with the Father in heaven, how can that help you in difficult times? Number six, sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. How does the Word Word of God help you in your difficult times, both written and spoken? All of those are questions that I want you to ponder. I want you to go away, think about, pray about, get a response, journal, write down. We've had plenty of times of uh, talking about prayer. 
But one of the things is prayer is actually two-way communication. So I want you to use these questions as a stirring point to go to God. How can God, how can I make a stand against the plans of the enemy? How can I use those six things, the armor of God, to be able to do the best I can? So if we can have the worship team up, please. Now, I've given you quite a lot of, normally a sermon gives you answers, but I've given you 10 questions to go away and think about. But I want, my motivation is not to give you an answer that you go away and put it on a door handle or a Christmas tree. Yeah, I've got answer number 675. My motivation in this is to promote you to go to God and fellowship in prayer with him. And out of that, your relationship with God will be so much stronger. So I'll hand over to the worship team. Over to you.